Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I've had too many of those conversations with these guys, but I just told the seniors I love them and appreciate them. They've been through a lot. They've been through a lot for four years. They've been through a lot this year, and I'm grateful to them, and, and we're going to miss a lot of those guys. And then for the young guys, just told them, you keep coming coming up just short. There's about 100 ways you can get just a little bit better to make sure the, the outcomes are different. There was definitely tons of ups and downs, and it was a, you know, a, a learning curve, and it didn't necessarily go the way that we planned as a team. But I said this earlier, and, and you know, I'll say it again, I wouldn't change any of it. I think it's a part of you know, God's plan, truly. I wouldn't be anywhere else but here. You know, I, I truly love Nebraska. I love this state. I love this program and this staff, you know, and, and we want to be great. I want to be great for this for this team, and that's what I'm going to work to do moving forward. You know, I think it's uh, easy to say I wasn't great for my team for the entirety of this year, and, and I'm going to continue to work on myself and work on this team to, to get where we need to be. Hello, off season. And welcome into another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as football season officially comes to a close on Friday against Iowa. Huskers finished five and seven, no bowl game for the third year in a row. A year where Las Vegas had Nebraska winning about nine. They were picked to win the West. And as we've talked about extensively on Husker Online and on this show for the last few months, I mean, this season has just had too many things and breaks um, go wrong. And this team, as we've discussed all year, is not good enough to overcome the little things. And against Iowa, once again, those same little things, um, you know, played a factor. Two big runs allowed for touchdowns, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Adrian Martinez running out of bounds when he shouldn't have and allowed Iowa to set up a game-winning drive. And we could go on and on and on, but I don't think anyone listening right now probably wants to hear today a recap of the Iowa game um, I think I, I guess it, it's going to, to me it's about what what will this offseason be how will they navigate through this offseason because it's going to be an offseason guys now unlike any we've had in a long time well yeah I mean there's so many different storylines that are going to dramatically impact uh, what happens next season in, in year three and uh, you kind of take into account all the things Scott Frost said basically over the course of the year uh, but especially late about how most of our guys are bought in, but not everybody. Well, I mean, that generally hints that there's probably going to be um, some notable turnover of guys that um, you know, they were counting on to be far more uh, involved and on, on board with what they were doing that weren't. And so um, that, I think, is where it starts. And it always does every year. But, um, you know, especially kind of given what's happened over the first two years here, it seems like that process of developing the culture and filtering out guys that aren't going to buy into what you want on and off the field is still very much ongoing. And so what is that going to look like over the next couple months? And how is that going to impact, uh, you know, the, the recruiting efforts and all that stuff? So, yeah. And then let's not even mention the, the, the quarterback scenario, which is <laughs> we thought was not going to be an issue for the next two or three years suddenly is back into play where, you know, Adrian, you know, he struggled. Uh, granted, he was able to kind of get a little bit back on chip, um, towards the end of the year, but 
you know, Luke McCaffrey showed plenty of signs to make this uh, at least an interesting situation heading into the spring. It's going to be very fascinating to watch how the staff handles that with a I guess guy who was named a captain as a sophomore now being pushed by a guy uh, for that job for the next two seasons. So a lot, a lot of things to keep an eye on over the next few months. Yeah, the quarterback situation is pretty intriguing. I'm just looking at the big picture. Um, the leadership equation to me is is something that I'm I'm really um, interested in seeing how that plays out. I mean, you, you typically want your your seniors, your fourth or fifth year seniors, being your your group of leaders on this team. But I think as the season wore on, it became pretty clear that there really was not a whole lot of senior leadership. So so now who who rises up and and kind of takes the reins during the off season? Is it a, a, a freshman like Wandell Robinson? You know, I know Cam Taylor Britt has been mentioned as as someone who's who's you know a vocal guy or is a leader I mean where are these leaders going to come from and and is it going to be the majority of younger guys that are kind of you know leading this team during the offseason that's to me I think that's one of the the bigger you know kind of big picture questions that I've got and my thing guys too when I look ahead and next year I just think most people want to see some new blood and and shake up Um, I, I think we've seen it too long at Nebraska where if you have a spot it's really hard to get unseated and I think people feel like, all right, if the young guys are so much better, I want to see some of these young guys unseat starters that have gone three straight years without going to a bowl game. And I think that that will be something a lot of people will, want, will be looking for. Who will be the new guys that can step in and actually unseat people that maybe were underperforming starters in 2019? Yeah, all, all year long we heard about how many young guys were so close. They just needed to, to take that next step. Well, uh, the time will be now this offseason for, for these guys to make that jump and push for jobs and win starting jobs. Uh, and there's certainly a few uh, position groups off the top of your head that uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunity over the spring and fall camp for that to happen and you know with this frost is trying to get his guys in here and um you know credit the 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 seniors for going through all that they did to over their careers but uh now the page turns where you need your guys in place you spent the last two or three years assembling the roster the way you want it now it's time to give your guys opportunities to show what they can do and um you know i think that there's going to be some intense competitions um at several different spots and uh, I think there's certainly some players that maybe didn't get a shot this year that are more than capable of inserting themselves into prominent roles, if not starting jobs going into next season. Yeah, I think it's become pretty clear that like that 2019 class is kind of the foundation of this team now all of a sudden. And, and you know, that's on one hand, that's a good thing. And on the other hand, it's kind of scary that you've got that many kind of young guys that are kind of being looked at as as the future of the program. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many of those young guys can – can step up and and kind of take the reins and and you know kind of put their foot in the ground and say okay well this is this is now my time or this is my spot now yeah and you look at the defense I mean we'll we'll get into that more in depth but six senior starters pretty much gone the Davis twins Darian Daniels Mo Berry Alex Davis and then Lamar Jackson Um, so I mean that that is a, a big chunk um, that they've got to replace on the defensive side of the ball so I do think when you look at this team leadership structure wise the door is open for some new guys to step into bigger roles next year. Offense will be the interesting one because everybody returns for the most part, um, but they, they've got to get we, – we'll talk about it more all throughout the summer, but they've got to get better at receiver. they got to get better at offensive line. They've got to get more depth at running back, and obviously the quarterback thing has to shake itself out. And 
And I know people want answers. I mean, I think people that that was our Nate and I were on a two hour RSS chat on Tuesday um, that, you know, could have probably went for three hours. And I mean, everybody wants to know now, will Martinez be unseated? Nobody knows that answer. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows right now. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that from now until September. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be um, as unique of an offseason we've seen in a long time now because you're in year three of a coaching uh, tenure, and yet there's still so many question marks about what this team is going to look like. It's almost like it's a uh, still in the process of a total rebuild where you would have hoped there'd be a little bit more stability right now, but that's the, the situation where the staff is right now, and they got a lot of work to do. Um, I mean, it starts obviously with the recruiting front here through the rest of the month of December and the early signing period on through February for the regular signing period. And then spring balls here. And then you got to get this thing ready to go. You got to see what you have with all of these young players that you've been talking about all this potential. It's time for it to start to play out. And you know, the, the, competition that goes on over these next few months will ultimately define what this team is in year three. Yeah, the crazy thing is that's going to be here before we know it. I know I know. right now after a disappointing season and no bowl game, it seems like forever away, but uh, I think that spring ball will be here before we know it. As, you know, as soon as recruiting kind of wraps up and everything, uh, next thing you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of competition during the spring. All right, well, speaking of competition, I want to talk more about Luke McCaffrey, Noah Vedral, and just that whole quarterback thing, how it was handled in the Iowa game, just – you know, playing three quarterbacks that obviously didn't work out well in the end um, and, and kind of where that position goes forward and, and some big picture thoughts on Adrian Martinez. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's only going up from here, and, and that's honestly right now somewhere where it needs to be, but, but that's something that throughout this season we've been able to see. And with the young talent that we have, no question, the, the sky's the limit right now. And it's going to be fun to, to be along this train and watch it ride. And we're back here on the Husker Line Show. That was freshman quarterback Luke McCaffrey um, just on kind of where he thinks things are going despite the tough season. The segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations in Omaha and Lincoln. It is championship Saturday as we've got, I believe, 10 conference title games now being played. Every league in America has one. And get on into Tanner's. The games uh, start Friday night uh, with the Pac-12. And um, several games will be played on Saturday as well from morning to night. So get on into Tanner's. Watch all the championship action. Get some wings. Get some beer. And, and, and just spend the day watching some football, guys. Well, let's talk about um, the quarterback situation in general and you know, I felt like it was something that pulled on Scott Frost, especially down the stretch, because I think he knows there are some things probably later in the year that Noah Vedrill and Luke McCaffrey probably could have done better than Martinez was doing on the field. But, um, you know, I, I just think he made the determination that no matter what, come hell or high water, we will stick with Martinez through this year. And then come spring, we're going to have a legitimate competition and kind of see where it goes. But I, I just think in his heart of hearts, it was hard for him to probably – want to even shake things up that much um you know as the season came to an end well i mean it's such a delicate situation the fact that you basically ordained this guy to be the face of your program and uh he kind of underwhelmed in, in what you thought he was going to be in in a major way and so uh yeah i mean i wonder just in retrospect like how if he would have handled that differently but clearly he was going to stick with his guy and, and it makes you wonder how much scott's experience as a player went into that. I mean, he was the same guy that got booed off the field, you know, in his home stadium uh, as Nebraska's starting quarterback. Uh, and so he's seeing Adrian kind of go through some of that criticism, you know, maybe, maybe that 
put a soft spot for him to where he was going to stick it out with Adrian no matter what and just hope that it would get figured out. And again, Adrian did you know slightly improve from where he was towards the end of the year, but he was never the type of guy that we thought he was going to be this season. And I don't know why that is. That's kind of one of the stories of the season, uh, whether it was because of the offensive line or the bad snaps or the receivers or no running game uh, or whatever it is. Uh, Adrian was not the Adrian he was at the end of last season and certainly what we thought he was going to be as a, as a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate. So I, um, how he responds to a very difficult sophomore slump uh, paired with the development of guys like Luke McCaffrey behind him is really going to make this, you know, maybe the, the, the storyline to follow of the offseason is what happens at quarterback and how real that competition actually gets. Is Frost going to continue to stick with Adrian no matter what, or is this actually going to have an opportunity for Luke McCaffrey to, to vault him? Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. It's not just about bouncing back. It's it's bouncing back and, and keeping your job and keeping – guys like Luke McCaffrey and, and Noah Vedral off your heels. And, and then you throw in you know, the talented newcomer and Logan Smothers into the mix. I mean, that's as deep of a quarterback room as Nebraska has had in in decades, uh, in my opinion. I, I mean, it's been a long time. Well, Andrew Bunch, your other guy, started well, games. Yeah, he's I mean, got a start under his belt, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it, that room is as deep as, as I can remember it being um, in many, many, many years. And so – uh, I mean, he's got a lot on his plate, and yeah, I think that that is the million dollar question. You know, what what went wrong, or or you know, what all the what are all the factors that kind of went into him his play falling off a little bit? Um, but uh, I mean, that's that is definitely the storyline. I don't know if there is really. I mean, there's some other storylines, but that's by far and away the biggest one. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the rise and the fall of Adrian Martinez was it him? Was it talent? Was it everything? I mean, that's what we don't really know. Uh, the answer and you know when you say the fall I mean that the pro football focus data you know he, he graded a 52 grade for that's that, crazy for the whole year average and um, you know his his numbers by a third-party grading service were, were as low as they've been I mean you go back to the Iowa game he only threw one pass that he completed in that game that traveled more than 10 yards um, you know in in was it was he not seeing? Was he told not to throw down the field? Was he just scared to throw down field? Was he not seeing things down the field? Uh, I mean, there's so many things that we don't know. Yeah, and you know, look back at the previous games when he was trying to throw it, he was just missing. I mean, he missed two touchdowns against Purdue that might have changed that game. And um, you know, it was just kind of the story of his season where it just never clicked. He looked off from the first snap on through the end of it. Uh, and you, you just got to wonder why. I mean, maybe it was a deal where uh, the pressure got to him. I mean, he finally kind of felt the heat of uh, the the fishbowl of Nebraska's starting quarterback and all the pressure you know that goes into that on and off the field that um, maybe that, that set him back a little bit. And you go back to last year, maybe they had an offense where it was a dialed-back scheme, you know, similar to what they did with uh, Vedral McCaffrey in that Indiana game uh, where they actually looked really good uh, it's because maybe those guys didn't have so much on their plate as far as the game plan is concerned. And then when Adrian went into year two, they put more on him and maybe he wasn't ready for it. I don't know. I mean, this is all hypothetical just guesses at this point because I don't think anybody – truly knows outside of maybe Adrian and Scott Frost what happened there and why things reverted so much. Well, and, and I think there's an injury component to this too. I mean, he was not healthy the entire season. We know about the knee injury, but I think, 
you know, maybe that shoulder was bugging him more than more than what any of us really know. Took um, some mustard off those passes, yeah. didn't it? Well, and, and a lot of times, I mean, you mentioned the the one pass against Iowa that traveled more than ten yards, but a lot of times during the season when he did throw deep, um, you know, it was the, it was either way off the mark or it, all his passes seemed to kind of sail and go high. I mean, it was uh, it just yeah, just never really seemed completely dialed in this year, and so. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really confusing, but you hope that for his sake and, and for Nebraska's sake that something gets figured out there. Well, and how they manage the battle come spring and, and August, you know, because the bottom line is I think we all would agree not everyone's going to stay in Lincoln. I mean, one of these guys are, you know, that, that's just the nature of the quarterback yeah. position. Yeah. So how that, I mean, and, and they tried to do it diplomatically with Jebbia and he still left at the last minute. Um, you know, they tried to keep it where they tried to do it where Jebbia almost couldn't leave, but then he still had time to leave because of the new four game, uh, red shirt rule and, and how that worked where he, he wasn't here last year. And, um, you know, with all these guys, you know, Noah Vedral could technically graduate transfer. I think he's set to graduate in the spring. Um, so he's going to have options if, if it doesn't go the way he wants, uh, we know McCaffrey's a talented guy. He's on the come, and then obviously Martinez. I mean, he has a redshirt year, so all. I mean, I, I think when you kind of look at it big picture, how do you do this and try to keep everybody in Lincoln, or is it even possible to think like that right now? Well, the idea that you're going to have four guys that are capable starting quarterbacks in your room, this is that's not the real world anymore. I mean, it's, you're it's lucky impossible. they have two. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's just a luxury Nebraska is not going to have. I mean, guys are going to move on and pl- go places where. They can actually play. I mean, that's that's just and fans shouldn't take it personal. No, it's not. I mean, it's it's the nature of college athletics right now. Whether it's football, basketball, wherever, uh, if there's a better opportunity for you somewhere, you're going to go to it. I mean, you only have so many years to where you're good enough to be a starting quarterback somewhere. You know, go do it. If your opportunity is not in Nebraska, go find an opportunity. And so uh, that's a good problem for Nebraska to have because that means that the guy that they do pick will have earned it in every sense uh, over the course of this offseason because what you want is that competition to, uh, you know, have that, that breeding ground where everybody's getting better and whoever ends up on top, uh, you know, you feel really good about what you have there. And, you know, if that means losing a guy or two, so be it. Yeah, I don't think you can worry about keeping guys happy. I think you, you got to worry about winning football games and, and having the best man out there. Um, you know, and, and I don't think that you'd see a mass exodus from that room, but you might lose one or you know, you might lose one guy. Uh, but that's just the nature of college football. And and uh, you know, if that happens, then then so be it. But I think it'd be the wrong move to try and keep everybody happy. Well, it's going to be a fun spring when you start to start looking ahead, and we're probably going to talk about it for months and months here all the way up until next September how this will play out. But uh, when we come back, I want to shift over to defense guys and look at what Nebraska loses and kind of do they have the parts in place or will they have to do some work with transfers and recruiting to get where they need to be next year. That's all next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Everybody from the season has been bought in. A lot of people have been bought in, but the the few, the minority that wasn't, they made their choice and you know we, we took care of that situation. And guys see it now. It's kind of hard to see when you're losing, but even amongst the losses, everybody sees it. They see what the potential, they see, you know, what's there for us. And I just feel like when Coach says we're coming, it's just it like what's what it is. It's a lot of young guys who like I said, know the standard now. They know what to they know what to expect and they know how much to put out. 
And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and A. Klaus. That was defensive tackle Darian Daniels in his final game at Nebraska. He played a really outstanding game. Uh, we saw three um, Husker seniors get invited to the East-West Shrine Bowl, Carlos and Khalil Davis and Lamar Jackson. Somewhat surprised Darian Daniels um, wasn't picked up for that game. I mean, I, I would think maybe he's shooting higher. Maybe he's a senior bowl guy. I don't know. Um, but I, I would have thought he'd be at that same level as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he was as good as any defensive player they had this season. Now, he'll he'll go somewhere, I guarantee it. It'll be interesting, though, just when you look at what they've lost on this defense now. First of all, I want to say this. He talked about guys not buying in. I, I hope we don't have to hear this again after this year. I mean, I, I think I think we're done with buy-in type things because if it's if by year three there's still people not buying in that's a problem well and you can't blame the previous coaching staff in year three i mean, I mean they've got to be <laughs> at i mean some point it's your guys yeah i i just think you can't even that can't be talked about next year because i mean who, who who's even left at that point i mean there might be a couple guys still left but you, it shouldn't be brought up anymore after this season yeah i agree that's a that's a storyline that i'm sure is very real especially in year one and on even into year two but Year three, uh, eventually it, it becomes not the previous staff's problem, it's your problem. Yeah, exactly. That's that's totally on you at that point. I mean, there will be a couple guys left, I think, from, from previous coaching staffs or whatever. But but if they're still there. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if you've not eradicated that issue, then you're allowing it to happen. So, uh, yeah, this should not be a deal that we have to hear about a whole lot. Well, more. and the hard thing about that topic all year has been – you know, the natural human nature of people is I want to know who they are. I want to know the names so I can get mad at those specific guys <laughs> and just be pissed off. And, you know, and, and that was probably the hard, like, you know, they would make these comments, but no names were ever given. And I think that would lead to like a witch hunt. Who are the players? Nate, tell me the names. Damn, dang it. Yeah. I mean, it, well, <laughs> it, and, and I don't know what good it really does. I mean, if you know who the name is, okay, well, well, fine. But you know what? Then what? You know, I think the what it, what it takes is for you to to get rid of the problem. Um, and all you have to do is look at who's been leaving the program and and who's left or who whose playing time went down. Yeah, whose playing time went down. I mean, I think. I think if you really take a, a deep dive and look at it closely, you can figure out who who it probably is, and um, you know. And I think that with with graduation or whatever, you know, I, I think a couple more of those guys, um, you know, are probably on their way out of the program. All right. Well, let's let's look at what they lose. Um, you know, a handful of starters on defense. Um, their whole defensive line: Darian Daniels, Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis. But they do return a pretty good core next year. Ben Stilley. Damian Daniels, who who his snap number kind of went back and forth. There were some games he didn't play at all against Iowa, by the way, uh, but he played 32 against Wisconsin, and that was the most he's played in his career. Um, but then you, you've got Keem Green, Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers, DeAndre Thomas. I mean, they've got six pretty good pieces right there on the defensive line next year. But you know, they they might even need more still. Yeah, I think they do. Uh, and still, there's the need for pass rushers and. <laughs> Nate, I'm sure we'll be asked on a weekly basis of who Nebraska is going to get to supplement that pass rush. But, uh, you know, I think you could probably speak more to it, but the, the junior college offers show that um, they're well aware of the, the one missing piece to what they have back. Yes, they lose a lot up front, but uh, they, a lot of guys got a lot of snaps. And so it's going to be a relatively experienced group, even though you lose that all three starters. Uh, a lot of guys have played some football, and they did a good job of getting guys like Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers reps, uh, notable reps, uh, towards the end of the season to where those guys are going to hit the offseason you know, a little bit more 
seasoned than they would have been otherwise. So, you know, I think that they're in an okay spot there as long as they can supplement it with those glaring voids right now in that defensive front seven. Nate, I want to move right to linebacker because you're going to have a handle on this more than anybody. But when you look at the linebacker group next year, how much of a flavor could junior college players have to maybe change the perception of what that group will be in 2020? Well, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge uh, change. I, I think there's going to be at least two inside uh, linebackers from, from the junior college ranks in Jamoy Hodge and, and maybe Ativa Malga that uh, is visiting this, this weekend. And then um, at least one uh, outside linebacker, uh, Junior Ajo, that is committed uh, from the junior college ranks, and, and maybe possibly another JUCO outside linebacker. So you could be talking four JUCO linebackers, potentially. Three for sure, in my opinion, uh, that are going to be injected into that, that mix there, whether it be inside or outside. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a, lot of, uh, a lot of bodies that have played football already, that have some experience, that are a little bit more developed than your typical incoming freshman. But at the same time, what's interesting about it is that, um, you know, the, the, two, um, the two guys that they have committed right now are four for three players. So they're not your typical JUCO guys. Uh, they were – they're qualifiers out of high school, and you've got a redshirt if you want to use it. But at the very least, you've 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 got them for three seasons. Yeah, that inside linebacker position has gotten deeper and deeper each year under Barrett Root. I mean, it's a matter of now can some of these guys break out. Colin Miller was a leftover guy that was on the roster. Honus was a Barrett Root JUCO recruit. Um, those will be your core guys. But who will be the supporting guys? Can a Joey Johnson step up? Could a Luke Reimer? Could a Nick Henrich? Could a Jackson Hanna? Um, you know, there's a lot of guys um, at that inside, and they, they need at least two. But I think special teams, too. A lot of those bodies um, – and I, I, one of our posters brought up a great point on special teams, guys. On that kickoff return for a touchdown, eight of the 11 people were walk-ons, and then the kicker was number nine. Um, so you had two true scholarship athletes covering kicks – against an NFL kick returner. Well, I wonder how much of that has to do with the way that they shuffled guys in and out of the special teams units to work around those four-game red shirts. It seemed like there was a lot of freshmen that were on kickoff one week or not on it at all the next. And I wonder how much of that had to do with just the, the lack of consistency you know, on special teams. When you don't have the same guys on your coverage units every week, I mean, guys are going to make mistakes probably far more often than they would otherwise. So uh, I wonder if they're going to maybe reevaluate that strategy where I know they want to get freshmen in the game and special teams, you know, in theory is a great way to do that. But if it comes at the expense of, you know, those types of errors, game changing errors and mistakes in the third element, um, you know, maybe they need to reevaluate that plan. Well, and I know a lot of people want to automatically say, well, it's Javon DeWitt doing having, you know, eight of your, your 11 starters being walk-ons or whatever. But you know, I, my other question is, okay, well, what was the available pool of guys that he was yeah. able to, to pull many, from? Yeah, how many guys were even available with those red shirts? Yeah, I was so, surprised, though, Cam Taylor-Britt was on some of those units still. Yeah, well, because – and that was the, the thing that some of the criticism earlier in the year was like, okay, well, you've got a bunch of starters or at least guys that are playing a bunch of time like a JoJo Doman or Cam Taylor-Britt that were, were seeing time on all the special teams units like – like Colorado, for example, I know a lot of those players, uh, not only did they play a ton of snaps defensively, but they were also playing a ton of snaps on special teams. So then all of a sudden the fourth quarter came around and they kind of ran out of gas. And and so, um, yeah, they I mean, that's definitely an area that they got to they got to figure out a better mix or better, better way of using some. Well, some on of those kicker, guys. kicker, as we know, and we'll talk about the addition in the recruiting segment, Nate, but they added a Juco kicker out of Iowa Western. Um 
there's no doubt in my mind there's going to be a shakeup and change at kicker. I mean, it has to be. I mean, Bear, Bear Pickering's a great kid, great person, but he's not been a great kicker um, with the situation with the injury. And and I know that's out of his control, but you know they can't really go another year with what they went through with that. I mean, it, it just yeah. it, it, I mean it was detrimental. The two kick returns that were that happened because he shorted the ball twice. I mean that that changed games. Well, it seemed that especially the one against Iowa, they had been pooch kicking. All game, and then, and then he all of a did sudden, his own deal. He, he decides to kick it long, and Scott Frost had no idea what he was doing after the game. So uh, you got to wonder what was going on there. But uh, yeah, I mean, clearly they they cannot go through another season with that type of kicking issues. It's funny because this is a program that has had such a luxury mm-hmm. of kickers for so many years, and then they just got the complete uh, reverse fortune this season. I think they had five kickers score a point in a game this year. Six. Six. That's unbelievable. Well, think about this. From 2004 to 2017, there were only six kickers total <laughs> in that period that scored points for Nebraska. That's crazy. And that includes Audie Kanalik, who had a couple of spot kicks. But you know, three of those six played in the NFL. Brett Maher, Alex Henry, Adi Kanalik is a kickoff specialist. Drew Brown kicked in Canada. Your only two non-NFL guys were Pat Smith and now I'm blanking Jordan on Jordan Congdon. Jordan Congdon. Yeah. And Congdon was a freshman All-American. Well, and reliability is so critical to being a place kicker. Uh, and right now, you just can't say that with uh, Barrett Pickering. All right. We, we could talk more about this for another show, too, as well. But we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. Mike Wheeler is in studio. He'll join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Winning's a habit, losing's a habit, and, and our team needs some, this this whole thing needs some good things to happen so our guys can start building on it. Uh, momentum's a powerful thing. You know, Adrian's been hurt a little bit this year. He's been nicked up. That certainly affected it. Uh, we got to find some more people that can, can be open for him more consistently so he can trust that. We got to protect a little better for him. Again, I, you know, I, I'm not defending anybody on the team. We all need to get better, but uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things that need to happen a lot better around whoever's playing quarterback too. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. It's time for the mailbag. As I was Scott Frost talking about just big picture thoughts of the season, but it's time for the mailbag. Mike Wheeler in studio joining us. Mike, what do you got out of the mailbag first? Well, we'll start off here with basketball. How important is Hoiberg's first rivalry game versus Creighton this Saturday? And do the Huskers have a chance to win? Uh, it's important for the fans uh, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, really, in the grand scheme of things, it's just another non-conference game in a season that uh, is what it is. I mean, they're more than likely not going to be in postseason play. And so um, really, uh, the most important thing you can get out of it is just getting these guys experienced in it and understanding kind of what it's all about and getting thrown in the hornet's net, so to speak, playing on the road uh, in, in Blue Jay country and getting, you know, that that first taste because right now Thor Thorbjorn Arson is the only guy that's ever played a minute against Creighton and so none of these guys have any idea what this rival the coaching staff doesn't know what this rivalry is all about and so they're gonna get thrown in it and so that'll be at least a valuable teaching experience for future years to kind of let this thing uh, develop back from from Nebraska's end of it. All right, so uh, guys, there's been a lot of uh, transfer talk this week, specifically with J.D. Spielman uh, transferring. Sean, we got an update from you on Tuesday, but uh, what can you update us with on that? Well, I can tell you this. Graduate transferring is the only thing he could do, and that's really not an option. He's already redshirted out of Nebraska, and he really isn't on track to graduate till probably December of 2020, and it might even be May of 21. So 
Transferring would be highly unlikely because it just wouldn't even work. But I do know JD has been around. Um, somebody I talked to saw him at the training table this week. He had a smile on his face. Um, I just think there's been a lot of rumors and things thrown out there. But at this time, um, you know, he's still part of the program. And I know he had a great conversation with Coach Frost. Nate, do you got anything to add on that? Well, I mean, I would just add that I mean, JD's got an opportunity here to become the all-time best wide receiver as far as records go in pretty much every category uh, mm -hmm. next year. And so, I mean, I don't know how much sense it would make for him to 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 leave. I mean, I guess if you're not happy, you're not happy. But, I mean, when you just look at everything, um, you, uh, you I looked at his body language prior to the game against Iowa, and he's out there, um, you know, and he was – he was him and Wandell Robinson seemed to have like they had a big conversation and, and were loving each other up before the game. I mean, it, it seemed like seemed like he was very invested. And, and like I said, he's got a chance to basically break every single record at Nebraska as far as receivers go uh, in his senior year. And so I just I don't, I don't see it right now. All right, guys, what is your way too early line on Nebraska win totals for the 2020 season? It's probably going to be like six and a half is my guess. I mean, if you're, but I do know this Purdue out of the gates, very tough opener. Um, it's, you know, opening with a league game, but it is in Lincoln. You know, the team will be fresh, fast, conditioned. Um, weather won't be an issue. Um, so, I mean, I, I still like Nebraska week one at home. Um, I, I think if there's any kind of new wrinkles they're adding to the team, Purdue won't be able to prepare for those. Vice versa, though, with Purdue. The game that still worries me is Cincinnati. Um, Luke Fickle. You know, not to name drop here, but I, I was texting with Zach Taylor, um, and he was at Cincinnati's on that staff there before he went to the Bengals, and he said that there's a lot of talent returning on that Cincinnati roster for next year, and he goes that will not be an easy game for Nebraska coming to Lincoln, and you know you hope you know if you're a Nebraska fan maybe Luke Fickle gets a job, and 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 they have seems likely at this point. Um, yeah, he seems like he's going to get. It, it depends though. He's on the track because if he waits another year, then all of a sudden he might be the Mike Norvell. Maybe all of a sudden, I don't know if Michigan, if Harbaugh left, he'd be a replacement for Harbaugh. I don't know if that, that even real. Yeah, if Michigan hired an Ohio State guy. Yeah, I don't know if that would work out too well. So I don't know. I think that first seven games, you've got to get your work in because we know the last five, it's like Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And I think Minnesota will drop off next year as well. I mean, they're going to lose a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I think the first half of the season is going to define what 2020 is for Nebraska because, what, one, two, three, four, five of the first six are at home. Then you turn the page, and four of your last six are on the road, including road games at Ohio State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, with a home game against Penn State wedged in between there. So, uh, yeah, Sean, you said it. they they got to do uh, the majority of their work in September and, and even for the first part of October if they're going to uh, feel good about their bowl eligibility. Because the last thing you want to do is have your postseason hopes riding on having to beat that murderous row of teams, especially that late in the year. Yeah, I, I'm done with expectations. And I just get to six. Let's go do, to a bowl. Yeah, do whatever it takes to get to a bowl game next year. That's what the – I think this that's the they got to show progress. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I, I know people on our chat this week, Nate, were like – if they finish seven and five or six and six, what's this chat like a year from now? And I mean, it's impossible to answer that because yeah. we don't know how those games are going to be. If they're going to be competitive losses or wins, etc. And but we know the schedule is as front loaded as it can be. And you go you go to Northwestern, which will be a home game essentially. 
you get Rutgers on the road with a new staff. I mean, you know that roster is going to be a mess for yeah, it um, already is a mess. Chiano for the first year. Um, so there's a lot there. But what do you got next, Mike? I mean, we're kind of going off. You guys kind of had a nice little transition here into it. But if Nebraska does start the season 7-0 and and finishes, say, 0-5 or 1-4, and will that be looked at as a successful season getting back to a bowl game? Or is it going to be met with, uh, you, know, you know, we're still not getting there? Uh, I just don't think until we see what those teams look like, because I think Wisconsin will drop off. They lose Jonathan Taylor. Um, a lot of those receivers will be gone, too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And they're pro receivers. Um, Iowa's going to lose two first-round draft picks on the line. They're going to lose a quarterback in Nate Stanley, who's been a difference maker. And I don't know if they've got a Nate Stanley in the wings. Minnesota's going to lose a lot. So I think the West, it feels – like Nebraska is miles away in the West, but I think the West will turn over a lot next year, and, and there's opportunity in the West for Nebraska. Here's my thing. If they get seven wins, I don't care how it happens. That's progress. You're going to a bowl for the first time since 2016. I mean, put that in itself. I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there. Just get there. That is the number one only bar right now. Play in a bowl game. I mean, you know what they call the guy that finishes last place in the med school graduating class? A doctor. A doctor. A doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm in the same boat. I mean, just just get to a bowl game. Get become a doctor. Doesn't matter if you're finishing first or last exactly. in your class. It, wins or wins. Exactly, and, and and the rest will take care of itself. I I mean, the schedule is is not easy. But they definitely have an opportunity to get to a bowl game, and that's what needs to happen. We got time for one more, Mike. All right. Um, what does your guys' offseason look like? Robin, you're going to be you know, taking care of basketball, so you might be kind of out on this question. But any vacation or holiday plans for you guys coming up? I am going to Miami here uh, this week. Um, my wife's 94-year-old grandma passed away, so we are going down and get about four or five days in Miami with her family and uh, – be about 75, 80 degrees every day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, some time away and hopefully not a lot of news breaks. I, I will have the laptop with me, Scroller, so don't think if I won't be available, but I hope I don't have to be available for you. But no other real trips planned, at least as of now. Yeah, my only vacations are basketball road games. I got it. <laughs> At Fairfield, yeah, ends. <laughs> hanging out in the hotels by a basketball arenas, but yeah, uh, not, nothing crazy. Gonna have a, a second kid in March, so I'm basically spending the off season, quote unquote, gearing up for that. You got a designated driver for a few oh, months. Yeah, yeah. Take, take full binge. <laughs> yeah, recruiting never really sleeps, and and we got a. It's going to be a fast finish here, leading up to the early signing period, and I'm sure that there's still going to be plenty of stuff happening uh, in the month of January too. So. And then, of course, then the junior, it all starts And then in-state tour. Yep, in-state tour right after, and it all starts all over again. So. And we are going to probably in-state tour in January this year a little bit, Nate, I think just because it makes sense. I mean, it kind of slows down enough in at times in January. We, yeah. we should be able to get out a few days in January too. Good. So, all right. Mike, what about you, buddy? You got any uh, – Oh God, no! I'm broke, and I'm plans? trying to uh, trying to save money, trying to graduate, get a job. You know, so PC, I got no PCB? plans right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fifth year senior spring break trip. <laughs> I'm do, yeah, I'm doing the whole round trip here. I went to a pinning on Monday where we got to go out on a Monday night, and you know, just can't leave college. I just yeah, love it too. Never much. graduate. What house was the pinning at? Uh, it was actually uh, it was with Theta. So uh, we're up in uh, one of our buddies' place up there. Good pinning then, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, we come back, we'll, we'll close the show with recruiting. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
we all know it's coming. The guys in the locker room know it's coming. The coaches know it's coming. There's no timetable for it. Uh, sometimes it happens quicker than you want, than you think. Sometimes it takes a little longer. I know we're doing the right things and getting the right guys in here, developing guys the right way, and it's coming. Yeah, I think we we were in about six close games this year, and, and we went two and four. Sometimes a little bit of confidence, a little bit of momentum. One more guy, one more play. Uh, there's about four games you can point to one play and say if that was different, that game's different. We still have a long way to go, and at the same time, when you come up one play short in several games, you're you're not that far away either. So it's coming, and I think people recognize that, and uh, we'll make sure the recruits recognize it too. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. The segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, uh, tell me about your experience at Coogler Vision. Well, yeah, I could not be more satisfied with uh, with the LASIK procedure that I've had done uh, earlier this fall. Um, it's still, you know, it, it's crazy. Just the little things, Thanksgiving with the family, watching, uh, watching television, flipping back and forth between some games and whatnot, and uh, just being able to actually read the score from way across the room, or, or read the guide, um, you know, when you're when you're flipping through channels, just the little things that sometimes you take for granted with, when your vision is not all that great. Uh, that that LASIK uh, fixed for me, and I know it can fix it for you. Uh, check out what Coogler Vision and, and Doctor Stunts uh, and, and Lance Coogler can do for you with uh, with the Coogler Vision in Omaha. All right, Nate. Well, this week, next week, it's about as busy as it's going to be ever in recruiting. You get 14 days on the road from December 1st to December 14th before things go dead. Then you have the early signing period before Christmas. Um, you know, we lost a week this year because of the way the calendar fell. We got an extra bye week during the season. Um, but the the flip side is we lost a week or the coaches lost a week of December visits because of that extra bye week that fell into the season. Um, how ramped up have things been from your perspective just watching this play out this week? Well, yeah, it's been really busy. Uh, coaches had to hit the ground running on Sunday, and, and we've kind of seen them – stopping by and seeing the, the majority of their commitments first and foremost, making sure those guys are in the boat, which is what you want to do. I mean, you, you got to make sure that the guys that you already have in the boat are, are on board and, and, you know, uh, ready to sign on the dotted line come uh, December 18th, but also seen them stop by and, and, you know, kind of checking in on some of their top targets too. Caden Johnson, the, the four-star rivals, you know, rivals 100 or rivals 250 outside linebacker out of Minnesota uh, is obviously a huge target for them. Uh, they went and saw him first thing Sunday. And so um, that's kind of how it's been playing out. I mean, they, they've been canvassing the country, checking in on the majority of guys that have visited or committed. Um, and then also, you know, a handful of guys that will be coming in on visits that maybe, you know, got offers late uh, in the process, especially some JUCO guys. So, um, I mean, they've, they've been really busy. And, and then next week, you know, you kind of turn the page, uh, week two of the contact period, that's that's closing time. That's when you've got to really make your hay. And, and you know, and you can be out as late as Sunday. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Sunday is the last day that you can make uh, in-home visits. So does that reset as a new week then that day or not? Do you know how that, I mean, I'm just curious how teams are going to play out that last Sunday because a lot, pretty much every kid Nate will be on official visits that final Sunday yeah. anyway. So it will be hard to conduct very many in-homes. Yeah, there won't be a whole lot of in-homes going on on that, that Sunday. I mean, I mean, honestly, your the large majority of your, your final in-home Thursday night will be yeah Thursday and, and maybe, you know, on, on a Friday with if the kids not somewhere else. Yeah. With just a, 
Um, not like the whole the whole staff kind of visit, and that's something that, that I got asked earlier in the week: is is Nebraska going to be sending out their entire staff to like we saw last year with like Ty Robinson? That might and, be Caden Johnson next week. Yeah, that would be yeah, like a Caden Johnson next week or an Omar Manning next week, and you know some of their their top top targets. Uh, I could see them pulling out all the stops and um, and going after guys with the the whole staff or at least the offensive or defensive staff, those types of visits. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a strategic battle plan. I mean, you can only you, you typically don't want to put your army all in one place unless you know it's a battle you're going to win. Yep. You, you need to strategically have your troops around the country. You've got 11 bodies that can be out, 10 assistants and the head coach. Yep. Um, as far as Coach Frost, though, have you seen most of his priority, Nate, be on the current commits? So, yeah, in, in week one, the his focus has been on the current commitments. And, um, you know, the his first stop was to see Sevion Morrison, the, the talented running back out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and, and so, I mean, he's a guy that, that continues to get – um, other schools checking in on him and, and everything, but he's all on board. And then from there, he went to see Logan Smothers, the, the top quarterback, um, the only quarterback commit in this class, um, who's, who's ob- obviously the, the number one or the first commit in this 2020 class. It feels like he's been committed to Nebraska forever. Uh, but then he had a nice visit there with the Smothers um, that night. I know they rolled out the red carpet and, and cooked uh, Coach Frost and Coach Verdusco one heck of a Southern meal. Um, and then he went to Florida to see Timon Lynham, uh, Marvin Scott, and is kind of making the rounds in Florida uh, the rest of that first week. And, um, you know, and the majority of his focus has been on the commitments right now. And then next week, Nate, do you see that kind of being – I mean, they'll, they'll probably – circle back around and see all the commits again next week maybe with this the assistance because frost will be done but next week is kind of prime target week right yeah next so yeah next week you'll see assistance you know the, either the position coach or the recruiting coach going to check in on a lot of the commits but um as far as frost is concerned that will be you know he'll be in with his prime targets um you know i mentioned caden johnson omar manning um you know Darian Green Warren is going to be hosting Scott Frost next week. He's a four-star DB out of California and, and so on and so forth. I mean, all those, all the remaining uncommitted targets, those are the guys that Frost is going to be seeing next week. And, um, you know, and the, the plan is or, or what you want to happen is, I mean, ideally you want to have that last visit before they go into the dead period and, and ultimately sign on the 18th. And so uh, Nebraska is going to be kind of jockeying for that, that position, you know, to be the last in-home visit and um, you know and it, that doesn't always tell the story you know if you get the last in-home it doesn't guarantee that you're going to land that kid but I think that's that's the ideal situation to, to have the, the final in-home visit to leave that final lasting impression before a kid goes into the dead period and, and signs um, you know on, on December 18th. And Nate I know you're not a mind reader but I mean if you had to predict it how I mean do you predict things to pick up pretty quickly here by the weekend? Yeah, I think we're going to start to see things pick up here uh, by the weekend. As far as commits go. Yeah, as far as commits go. And, and you know, and I, honestly, I think we could see a little bit of a run uh, next week. But I would not be surprised if there's, you know, a handful of guys that are going to be coming down to the wire and, and, and flat out keeping things a secret until signing day. I would not be surprised if there's – you know, four or five targets that are announcing on um, on signing day. And so, 
on one hand, that's that's kind of fun and exciting. And on the other hand, you know, if you're a coach, <laughs> you're really nervous uh, about, you know, how that's exactly going to play out. And so um, yeah, we've seen it with, with that one year with Mike Riley. I mean, they had what six or six or eight announcements all go wrong yeah, for Nebraska. Yeah, virtually every single one went uh, did not go their way. So um, that was yeah, that was kind of a, that was a dark day in, in, recru- in recent recruiting history uh, when that many high value targets you know committed elsewhere. But uh, last year they closed pretty well on signing day, whether it was the early or the the late signing day. And um, and I have a feeling you know with the way things are right now, like I said, I'm I'm no mind reader. I can't I can't uh, I can't predict the future, but I feel pretty good with where Nebraska's at right now. Uh, I think they're going to close pretty strong and. Um, you know, the class sits, I think, at number 33 in the country right now. I'm very confident that we could see that class, uh, by the time it's all said and done, be a top 20 class, or at the very least, a top 25 class. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of big recruits that are still out there that this staff can close on. Well, there'll be lots to follow. Nate and the staff do as good of a job covering recruiting as anyone. We have more experience on the Husker Online staff covering Nebraska football recruiting than anybody as both Nate and Mike Mattia bring 15, 20 plus years of experience on the recruiting beat as is Brian Munson. Uh, so make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will keep you up to date on all the latest in Big Red recruiting. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.